The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome again uh, to Coastal Community Church. Like Pastor said, I'm Ryan. I'm the youth pastor here at Coastal. And again, um, if you haven't already gone on spring break, we're so uh, glad that you're here this morning. We appreciate you being here. And if you are on spring break and you're watching online, uh, welcome as well. Uh, today we're going to be in, like Pastor said, the second week of our Be the Church um, series. And for those of you that missed last week, um, the series is, of course, like it says in the title, all about the church, right? The, uh, the who, uh, the what, the why of the church, the significance of the church, right? And so the purpose of uh, this series is for everyone to not only get a better understanding um, of the church as a whole, but also to understand uh, Coastal a little better, our distinctives and, and really why we do um, what we do here at Coastal. And in doing that, our hope is that it basically creates a desire uh, for commitment, like Pastor Chris just talked about. Uh, we want to transition. Our goal is to, for you to transition uh, from you saying that church or the church that I go to, uh, to my church. That's the whole goal of this series, right? And so Pastor again, kicked us off last week with how important the church is, how long-lasting, uh, how impactful the church has been and can be. And so today we're going to get a little more specific. I want to talk about... Um, some of the distinctives that not only set the church apart, the church family apart, uh, but specifically uh, coastal. And so today we're going to talk about worship. Are right, we talk about worship? What better way uh, was worship not awesome this morning? Right? Applause for worship is it's great. And so if you've grown up with any kind of uh, church or religious background, uh, when I say worship, I'm sure your mind immediately goes to what we just did. Right? The the singing, uh, the music, the whole experience. Right? And we believe it here at Coastal wholeheartedly uh, that worship is one of the most important things that we do here um, on a Sunday morning. And it's not just important um, because we believe it's what we're supposed to do, but we believe it's also important because it's a, a large tool um, when it comes to drawing in people to the church, when it comes to drawing in unchurched people. And uh, according to a recent study done, the top three reasons for why people choose a church are uh, number one, sermons, uh, preaching. Right? That's the number one reason people say whether they uh, return to a church, either do or do not return to a church. Um, the second reason is friendliness. The second reason people choose whether or not to come back to a church is friendliness. And that's, why, uh, that's what we're all about here at Coastal. That's why, you know, hopefully when you stepped in the parking lot, there was a golf cart there. Uh, you came up to the welcome tent and you got a, a gift. You came and got some free snacks and coffee and you're given a bulletin by a smiling face. Uh, that's why we're all about uh, friendliness here at Coastal, and it's really the big reason why people choose to come back here. And then the third reason, right, the third reason, um, the third most answered reason for why people choose to come back to a church is worship. The third reason is the style of worship. And so I just want to go ahead, let's get it out of the way this morning. Um, obviously, what we just did this morning, when you come in uh, to worship at Coastal Community Church, um, it's going to be loud. It's going to be loud but safe. It's going to be uh, energetic. There's going to be lights and there's going to be haze, right? It's going to be awesome. And now maybe this isn't the style that you grew up with uh, going to church. It uh, may not be your favorite style of worship, right? You may even think that um, it's a little over the top. Or, may, or maybe you love it, right? It gets you into a sense of worship that you can't get anywhere else at uh, any other time in the week. Right? Whatever your thoughts are, just know that the way we do worship here at Coastal 
is really nothing more than a stylistic choice made because we believe that it gives us a better opportunity to bring unchurched people here to Coastal, to the church, to know Jesus and the message of his love. Right? Because at the end of the day, the purpose of, of why we do what we do in worship here on Sunday morning, right, the message uh, behind it is all the same. Right? And one thing that we always say here at Coastal is actually that it takes all kinds of churches uh, to reach all kinds of people. Uh, but again, whether it's a, a full band and lights or whether it's an organ and a choir, right, we do it all to glorify God. Right, we do it to know God more deeply. We do it to strengthen our relationship with him. Right, that's why we do worship like we do on Sunday mornings. And so we'll get into that uh, a little more specifically in just a minute, but I want you to keep that idea of what worship is as a tool. That worship is a tool to not only glorify God, uh, but to know him deeply. Right, keep that just at the forefront of your mind. Right, and so as we keep going... Um, You've got a small gist of why we worship, but what I really want to do, uh, even more so, is break it down, right? Break down the reasoning for worship, right? Break down the how of worshiping, and uh, even look at some things that may inhibit uh, the way in which you worship. So again, like I stated stated earlier, I think most people around the world really associate um, the idea of worship almost exclusively with religion, like if you're walking down the road and you overhear a conversation and someone says the word worship, you're going to immediately assume they're, you know, talking about something related uh, to religion. Right? But one thing that I really want you to understand this morning, right, one of the main things I want you to take away from this message for a multitude of reasons is that everyone worships, right? Everyone worships. Every single person alive today worships. And I know you're uh, probably thinking, you know, I know some people that have never crossed the threshold of a church, never stepped foot in a church, and I guarantee you they've never worshipped. Right? We all know those people in our life, and I think it's safe to say that they would say they have never worshipped before. But let me explain. I want to do that uh, by quickly looking at the story of the woman uh, at the well. Right? Uh, a lot of people know that story. It's one of the most famous stories in the Bible, but it's one that's not often associated uh, with worship. Right, but there's a really key principle that we can pull out of it and apply to not just worship, uh, but our overall spirituality. All right, so it's John chapter 4. Uh, the story really starts in verse 6. And so a little bit of background is that what's happening is Jesus is walking through um, Samaria. Right, he gets tired. Uh, he stops and he sits down next to a well. Right, and the story is interesting because uh, Jesus had his disciples with him at the time, but he actually sent them on ahead uh, to go ahead and get lunch. Right, so he sits down at the well, and the Bible says that it was noon. Right, so you can imagine, uh, basically imagine Charleston uh, during the summer at noon. Right? The time where you can actually like, drink the air because it's so humid. Right? When, when you would swear on anything and everything, that hell itself couldn't get any hotter than it is right then. Right? Charleston at noon is basically the situation that Jesus finds himself in. But throw in, you know, like, if you look at old pictures of Jesus, you know, long clothes and a beard and long hair and, and dirt and sandals and whatever else. Right, that's the situation that Jesus finds himself in. It's hot, uh, it's nasty, he's tired, and he's thirsty. All right, so verse 7, we'll kick it off with, it says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? For his disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. 
And so pausing right there, uh, to call the relationship between uh, the Jews and uh, Samaritans one of racial tension would actually be a drastic understatement. Right? No matter what you think about racial issues nowadays, it had nothing on the relationship between these two people at the time. Right? The Jews despised the Samaritans so much that they actually considered them like half-breeds that were betraying their own race. Right? It makes anything that we know uh, in our history uh, racially-wise to basically be just a blip on the screen when it comes to the hatred between these two groups of people. Right? But continuing in verse 10, Jesus answered her. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did all his sons and his livestock? And then Jesus answers, and this is really the pinnacle of the whole conversation right here. Jesus answers, he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up uh, to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And so again, perhaps one of the most famous stories in the Bible, right? Jesus is walking around at noon, and he gets to the well with the woman. He says, give me some water. And then naturally, the woman says, well, why would you talk to me, right? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. There's racial issues between us. She says, I'm a woman. You're a man. So there's some like social, cultural, you know, issues between us where you shouldn't be talking to me. And Jesus' response is, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would actually be asking me for a drink. Right? And then she does her human response and says, well, you don't even have a cup. How are you going to get me something to drink? Right? That's her response uh, to Jesus. And his answer is really the principle that I want us to kind of dive uh, into and apply to worship in our lives. Right? So what's key is here, and what we can apply to this idea that everyone worships, um, is how he begins to really outline the difference uh, between drinking from a well that satisfies for a moment and drinking from a well that satisfies forever. Right? He draws a sharp contrast between the two. And so back to the passage, her question is, are you greater than Jacob? Right? Are you too good for this well? Right? He says, Jacob and his sons drank from this well. So aren't you a Jew? Right? The livestock drank from this well. All that Israel was built on drank from this well. Are you better than that? And so he points out the flaw in the well after that. He says, it doesn't work long term. It won't satisfy you long term. It only works for a moment, and then you have to come back. He says, but my well satisfies forever. And so now back to our point of everyone worships. Everyone here this morning, everyone all around the world is just like the Samaritan woman. Right? We all get a drink from somewhere. Right? We all fill up spiritually, we all fill up physically uh, from somewhere. Right? The problem with people and the Samaritan woman here, and really the problem that Jesus came to not only fix, um, but, but really fix personally, is that we drink from the wrong well. Right? We've, um, instead of focusing on worshiping the one thing, the one person in our lives that we are designed to worship, right, we fill our lives with all these other things, right? all these other idols that actually become barriers uh, to us worshiping the one person that we're designed to. Our wells can become uh, these barriers. And so, uh, really, I believe in order to uh, really understand how we should worship and really what worship is, 
We have to first understand uh, what worship isn't. We have to understand how we can actually unknowingly inhibit ourselves uh, from worshiping like we're designed to. And so I want to give you uh, three wells, right? Three barriers uh, that could potentially be in your life. Three things that you might be worshiping instead of God. Three different idols in your life. The first barrier or well is money and comfort. Money and comfort, something that every single person wants. And even if it's not for like illegitimate, uh, selfish reasons, even if you just want money to support and provide your family, it can still uh, become a barrier um, and is a serious one, really. Right? You can still become so focused on obtaining money and comfort um, that it inhibits your worship with God, inhibiting you knowing him better. Right? And, and you say money and comfort, and it, it's not just money when you really think about it, though. Right? It's all the things that uh, money can buy, all the new things that we want and that we think we need. Right? That's what money really represents. It's a worldly comfort. I had a conference where when you get home, you know, and you sit down and you see all the stuff that you have and you're like, man, you know what? I've done it. I'm good. All this I earned on my own. I'm comfortable now because of all this. Right? It's a worldly comfort. But ultimately, it's a barrier uh, that is keeping you from the comfort that only God can provide. Right? And so that's the first barrier that may be uh, in your life. The second barrier, the second well that we often go to is relationships and even sex, right? Relationships and sex. And in the same way that money and comfort are not intrinsically wrong or evil, right, what happens is that we elevate them to a level that's past what God designed. Right? Everything gets off when we do that, when we elevate them past what God created them for. And C.S. Lewis, famous author, believer, um, he had an illustration that kind of summarizes this idea, and I'll actually try and, it's kind of old, so I'll try and summarize it, make it a little bit more modern. But it's basically pointing out how we as a sinful culture elevate something above where it's meant to be. And so what I want you to do is imagine that um, you're going on vacation, and you go over to a different country, right? So you fly and you get to this country, and um, you get there, and all you see, like everywhere you go on billboards, uh, movies, TV, all you see is chicken sandwiches, Right? It sounds weird, but follow me real quick. Right? Like everything you go, you see movies that are all about chicken sandwiches and TV shows and, and radios and, and the billboards, just everything you see on the side of a bus is all about chicken sandwiches. Right? You can even go to a sketchy, shady part of downtown and go to the building and you can pay a bunch of singles right, to get these specific chicken sandwiches. Hopefully you know where I'm going with that. But it's just the same idea, right? The same idea that we've elevated something so highly that it's become a barrier to our worship. And whether your barrier is you know, sexual activity that you're engaging in or whether it's just a relationship that you know is not godly, but you've elevated it above everything else. You've prioritized it above everything else. But you have to realize that both relationships and sex are beautiful gifts from God. Right? He is the author and the creator of both of them. But again, what happens when you elevate them beyond where they should be is that you leave nothing for yourself but heartache and disappointment so great that you are no longer able to know God like you should. Right? You're no longer able to have a relationship with him. You're no longer able to glorify him like worship is intended to. 
So that's the first and second barriers that may be in your life. The final barrier is one that it doesn't seem bad really at first, but I think it's truly destructive uh, for a lot of people. And it's respect and success. Right? The third barrier is success and respect. We all want approval. Right? We all want acceptance. We want other people to look at us and be impressed with what they see. Right? We want to be pointed at as the example. We want to be shown respect, and oftentimes we feel like, I think, we're entitled to it. Right? That we are entitled to that success and entitled to that respect based on what we've done. Right? But that little you know, pat on the back from, from your neighbor, it, it's really fleeting. Right? The same guy that in one moment will be patting you on the back could just as easily the next moment turn around and stab you in it. Right? Honestly, when you think about it, it's kind of crazy. Right? We, we strive for this affirmation so much, but really what affirmation past Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us do we need? Right? Think about that. How silly is your buddy's good job, dude, uh, compared to the fact that Jesus Christ came to earth and died on the cross for each one of us? Right? And yet we still uh, let our need for acceptance, and we let our need for approval become a barrier uh, to, stopping us from, to stop us from worshiping him. It's, it really is crazy when you truly think about it. But in saying that, right, in all honesty, we all struggle with one of these things. Right, whether it is money and comfort, or, or relationships and sex, or respect and success, we all struggle with one of them, just to certain uh, levels and degrees. And, and I'd be willing to bet right, uh, that the, most of the unhappiness in your life, or, or the clear you know, shortcomings, or the pain, or the heartbreak, right, or how about the absence, the notable absence of God in your life, Right, can all be traced back to one of these barriers. Right, and that's human. Right, that's sin. But to worship God, we have to change this. Right, think about this. Where, you know, where we place our hope really is imperative to our joy. And what I mean by that is you know, if you've banked your whole life on your spouse or, or your kids or your job right, or your bank account or your friends, uh, your beauty, how many sexual partners you've had, right? Those things cannot hold up to the weight of your worship. Right? They're not designed to. They will create in you behavioral patterns that go against God's good design for your life. And ultimately, again, what we are doing is we're actually sabotaging our ability to experience life and to experience life to the fullest like God designed and so, uh, changing course a little bit, now that we've established, we've established what worship shouldn't look like, right? we, we know uh, how certain things in our life can even um, inhibit our ability to worship him. And so I want to discuss what worship should look like, right? And I want to do it in really two different areas. First off, what worship can look like in this physical building, right, this church building on a Sunday morning, and then also what it can look like outside of it. And so again, kind of like I said earlier, when I say worship here this morning, I'm sure everybody thinks uh, we're going to be talking about the singing part of the service, right? The singing part. If I come up here on stage and I say, everybody, let's worship the Lord, we're all going to probably stand up and think we're going to start singing, right? Truly, I think we all just think about worship as singing. And here's the truth. It can be, and it very much is. In fact, God is serious Uh, Throughout the Bible, 
about his people singing to him. Look at this, Psalm 33.3. It says, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. I I love how it says loud shouts there too. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, But Psalm 96.1, it says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Isaiah 42.10 says, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth. Here's something to really know uh, and remember. When the Bible talks about singing, right, it's important for us to really think about it correctly. Because here's what I mean for that. Worship isn't for God, but for us. Worship isn't intended for God, it's intended for us. Like God is not lacking in any way. So when God commands his people to sing, it's not because he's lacking, but rather something in them. Right, something in his people, something in us needs to be happening. Right, it is never true that God has had a tough week. Right, it's never true that he's had a tough week and he needs to like re-energize his godliness. Right, and so he commands all of his people to sing. He doesn't need to fill up his God tank. That's not how it works. Right, and really, if you look through the Bible, I could pull tons more verses out and just plug them right in where those other three are. Right, where God is commanding his people to sing but it's not about him, right? He's not lacking. God doesn't have tough days, right? It's something in us that he's trying to stir up and bring forth. And so what's so cool about singing uh, and music and worship is that God has commanded us to do it, right? God designed us to do it. And on the surface, it may seem like it's just for him, but it truly is completely uh, the opposite, right? God commanded us to worship for our benefit. It's for us, right? It can remind us, right? It can give us a sense of hope and purpose that we really can't get anywhere else, right? It really brings us into an emotional state, right? And kind of in contrast to other things in our life, other worldly things that bring about an emotional uh, state, it's true emotion. True emotion built on the foundation of our relationship with God, emotion built on our love for him and his love for us. And that's honestly why I think some people love coming here to Coastal or love going to church on Sunday mornings. And maybe this is you, right? No matter what kind of week you've had, uh, no, what, no matter what kind of uh, struggle or trial, temptation, turmoil, whatever is going on like in your week, you can come here to Coastal on a Sunday morning at 9.30 or 11.15 and you can worship. Right? And you can remember the good. Right? You can worship remember that you are a son uh, or a daughter of Jesus Christ, the living God. Right? That he created you for an amazing purpose and that his plans for you are so good. That's why we worship on Sunday morning. Right? We worship to know God. We worship to grow our relationship with him. Right? We worship to show him that the things of this world won't consume us. And to remember everything that we are and everything that he has done for us. Right, that's worship. And that's really not just how worship is in the modern church either. Right, the church, the process of gathering together as the church, as a community of believers, is all over the Bible. Right, throughout the scriptures, God has been very serious, again, not just about seeing, but his people coming together in community, right, to break down the word, to worship, to learn, to grow. God's serious about it. Leviticus 8, 1 through 5. 
It says, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, take Aaron and his sons with him and the garments and the anointing oil and the bull of the sin offering and two rams and the basket of unleavened bread and assemble all the congregation at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And Moses did as the Lord commanded, and the congregation was assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, this is the thing the Lord has commanded to be done. God commanded them to meet together. Right? In Leviticus, is the third book in the Bible. It's as Old Testament as Old Testament gets. Right? So we see it that early on. And we also see it not just there, uh, but throughout both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Right? Where God is gathering uh, his people. Gathering to do something among them corporately right? that he wasn't simply doing uh, when they're on their own. Right? Individually. We see on repeat throughout the scriptures that God is up to something in the corporate gathering of the church that he's just not up to when you're by yourself. Right? The whole idea that you can love God and, and not love or participate right, in the church, in the life of the church, in the body of Christ, it's not possible. Right? It's just not possible. There's nothing like that in scripture. God has put each of us in a very imperfect community full of imperfect people, right, for, for his glory and our good, right? and he's up to something in this gathering that's not just the presence, it's not just his presence there, but it's his activeness in our life, him acting in our life. Hebrews 10, 24-25, it says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, Right, not, neglecting, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Another example, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The reality is that when we gather together, God is not just present, but he is active. In the reading of the word of God, uh, in the singing of praise to him, in the praying of God's people together, the confessing of sins, everything that goes on in a Sunday morning during worship, God is at work. He's shaping us, uh, he's molding us, he's moving in us. Whether we get some kind of spiritual high off of it or not. Right? We know by coming here on a Sunday morning, right, we're not just wasting our time. Or we're not engaging in some fake practice that makes us just look more holy. Right? Just so we can go to work that week and brag about how we were at church right, this past weekend. Right? The God of the universe is working on us. He's transforming us. He's changing us. And, and you, may not, you may not feel it. Right? But I promise when you actually pause and you actually take note of what's going on around you, right, there will be seasons of your life in which you can actually feel it. Right? We'll be able to feel that, have emotions, right? know without a doubt in our hearts that the very God of the universe is working on us. You'll be able to feel it. Right? The, the fact that he's moving and he's shaping you. And yet one of the most important truths of God's word is that whether you feel it or not, it's happening. And again, what's crazy is that this principle, uh, the idea of God moving in your life, 
you know, even when you don't feel it, applies even more so outside of this church. Even more so outside of this physical building. Because what you have to understand is that worship is not confined to the church. And when I say that, I'm not talking about, you know, the church as a whole, because we are the church. I'm talking about this physical building. Worship is not confined here. And we see it in Romans 12, 1, uh, 1 through 2, that we're, you know, to be present, our body, you know, present our body as a living sacrifice. Right? It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We see it all over the Bible. It's not on the screen, but in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, it goes so far as to say that even when we eat and when we drink, we should be worshiping God. Whatever we do, we should do for the glory of God, worshiping him. Hear this, the expanse of worship Right, encompass, encompasses the entirety of our lives. You know, especially as uh, Christians who do have a true understanding of what God's love is and what God's grace is. That's even more true uh, for you. And this is really such a big principle uh, that worship is everywhere, right? Everything we do should be worship. Right? That idea alone almost can't be you know, talked about in one sermon. That could really be like a whole series. Right? You could talk about worshiping at home, worshiping at work. Uh, you could talk about worshiping in your finances. And I know a lot of people would probably you know, freak out when they got some of those specifics. Yet all of these categories are places in which the Lord uh, has commanded and then designed us uh, to need worship. All of them. Because you can think about it in two ways, really. Right? First off, we already said God created worship for our benefit. So even if you think about it in a completely unbiblical, selfish way, you know, you think about it where it's all about you, it's still not even a bad thing to worship, right? Because it's only going to be for your benefit, right? But biblically, worshiping in everything we do allows us to live the life that God has designed. And then the second way, uh, something that we say all the time in our membership class, is that worship is an expression of our love. Right? It's an expression of our love to God. One last uh, passage is Psalm 100. It says, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. I enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Right, the Bible says to worship with gladness. Worship with joy because we are his people. Right, it says enter his gates with praise and thanksgiving because his love endures forever. Right, when we have a relationship with God, this worship will really start to come forth naturally. Not because of what we can get out of it, but because of what he has done and is continuing to do in us. 
And so that's really my prayer this morning, is that if you are in a relationship with God, if you do know him, that you would continue to just worship him in everything you do, whether inside this building or another building on a Sunday morning, or when you're eating, when you're drinking, when you're working, right, when you're at home, right, when you're home alone or you're out at a party, whatever it is, whether you're having the worst day, week, month, or year of your life, or you're on top of the mountain, right, let it all be from a heart of worship. And then if you are here this morning and you haven't yet experienced uh, this heart of worship and really the benefits that come along with it, I hope you just allow God to begin uh, to work on your heart. And even more so, know that he is doing doing this all the time. He's working on you all the time whether you feel it or not. Whether you you have that relationship with him or not, he's still working on your behalf. And if that is you this morning, uh, just, just pray this prayer with me. Father God, we thank you uh, for this opportunity to come here this morning uh, at Coastal Community Church and worship you. God, we thank you. God, thank you for every person here, every man, every woman, every child, and just the chance to be here physically, be here today, and, and God, not just because we're supposed to, not just because we think it's what we are supposed to do or have to do, but to come and just know that you are working on us and in us. God, you are, uh, you are shaping us and you are molding us for the better. And God, there are many of us in this place uh, who are aware right now of what you're doing. Uh, we're aware that there's this area of our lives that you're pressing on, that you're exposing, and that you're, you're doing work in. Uh, but for many of us, You know, this really is a a dry season. It's a tough season. We're having a hard go of it. And we're not sure uh, what you're doing or what you're up to. Uh, But God, just give us the faith to worship you in all of it. And even more so, uh, to thank you for not just commanding us to worship as a burden, but really as a gift designed by you to bring untold uh, truth and grace, and happiness, and acceptance, and peace, and comfort into our lives. But also, God, uh, there are some of us here this morning that are also in a dry spell, in a dry season, having a hard time, uh, but they don't yet have a relationship with you. They don't have that relationship with you uh, to turn to when it gets tough. And here this morning, if that is you, and you're ready to experience the love, uh, you can just pray, say, Father God, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for creating me just as you did. And God, I may not always know what's going on, but help me to just look for you in everything. It's not only look for you, but to earnestly uh, seek you and find you and give thanks and worship in everything you do and everything that you have done for me. God, help me to lean on you and give thanks in both the good times and the bad. I thank you for sending your son so that I may have this opportunity. You can say, God, I'm ready to experience you and your love and a heart of worship fully. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, Check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.